Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumlaw Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumlaw or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumlaw.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Uh, man, before I, I get into this, I just want to tag back here for a moment to Wayne's story. Um, we talk a lot about obedience around here. In fact, one of our church values is obedience is the win, that the way that we try to measure success around here is our people taking steps of obedience in accordance with the words of Scripture and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you were here last week, in fact, that was a rather large point of, of emphasis. And uh, it was after uh, church actually last week that I was just kind of catching up a little bit with Wayne. And uh, it was about a year ago that he started, you know, kind of stepping into this faith community. And at the time, he admitted, uh, he just thought we were a bunch of frauds. He's just like, I don't believe that, that this is like real. He didn't really want to come back, but, you know, he took that challenge seriously. He started kind of leaning into it. And today, fast forward to today, uh, the guy not only serves on our security team, uh, he just began to serve on Teardown in, in Grand Blank as well. And then he just kind of casually mentioned that he's serving with students on Tuesday evenings. He's in a connect group. He's spending daily time with Jesus. He's praying with his wife every single day. And and it's not just like this flurry of religious activity for the sake of like religious activity. Uh, He's like, my life is is more peaceful. It's more content. It's more joy filled than it's ever been. In his words, he was like, man, I just feel like the more that I give to God, the better my life becomes. And again, to think that it all started with this guy that was like, I don't want to come back. You all are so fake. Uh, Man, like Wayne, I cannot tell you how proud I am of you and those steps of obedience that you continue to take. And uh, if you're sitting here today, uh, you're watching right now and you don't really want to be, (laughs) or you're wondering if we are a bunch of frauds, uh, and that way you're you're definitely not alone. But I hope you will do what what Wayne did. Uh, You'll actually give this a real shot, that you'll take that three-week challenge. You'll come back, you'll explore, uh, and I think that you'll find that the God of the universe really does long for a relationship with you, that he'll meet you in this place. So keep drawing close to God, and he will draw close to you. Uh, We're in a series right now titled Following Jesus 101. If you haven't been here for the entirety of this series, the premise is is pretty simple. Uh, We're examining those habits, the rhythms that made up Jesus' day-to-day life, and then we, like Jesus, are inviting you to adopt that template as your own. Now, the question becomes, especially if you're new to all of this, why, why would you do this? As it turns out, we all, regardless of where you find yourself today in this whole faith journey, we all want the life of Jesus, a life that's easier, that's lighter, that's, that's more restful, the life that he modeled so well, then, then he describes for us right here. It's kind of our theme verse for the series. Uh, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And again, there's not a person watching right now who can't relate to that at some level. And he says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden, he says, I give you is is light. Every person watching wants an easier, a lighter, a more restful life. But for too many of us, what we'll acknowledge, we want that kind of life, but but we're unwilling to adopt the lifestyle that leads to that life. But, but as we've discussed ad nauseum to this point in the series, there there aren't any shortcuts. If you want the life of Jesus, then, then you have to do what Jesus did. And interestingly enough, Jesus, he, he doesn't actually command you to do this stuff. He rather just does these things than, than he invites you to follow him. So, so as we reminded you, it's not control and coercion. That's religion. It's, it's example and an invitation. 
So, so we've been examining these practices of Jesus, stuff like reading and studying scripture, prayer, fasting, silence and solitude. And uh, by the way, if you haven't been here for the entirety of the series, you can always get yourself caught up at grumlaw.com slash messages, uh, or you can find us under Grumlaw Church wherever it is that you grab your podcast. Now, now as promised last week, the first half of this series, it focused more on, on those private practices, things again like reading and studying scripture, prayer. But with the latter half of this series focusing more on the outward, those, those public practices, So so last week, for instance, we talked about witnessing. We talked about sharing your faith. Today, we move on to confession and and guidance. Something that, admittedly, the early Christian church seemed to do a great job of, but but we here in the 21st century church were were not particularly known for. Fair fair assessment? And and for those of you already getting maybe a little bit uncomfortable, wondering, wait, is he going to like be speaking about actually telling other people what's really going on in our lives? That's exactly right. Let me begin with this quote from Augustine of of Hippo. That the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. Let me say that one more time. The confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. Here are the two verses that are going to take center stage this morning. Uh, If you've grown up in church, I guarantee that you have heard these verses before. Uh, The first one. We find in 1 John chapter 1, uh, written by a guy who is arguably closer to Jesus than, than anyone else during his time on this earth. He says this, if we confess our sins to him, that is to God, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Now, full disclosure, I haven't really found that most Christians have a hard time with this. Because if you call yourself a Christian, that there is some understanding that, that God knows all. That, that God sees all, that, that nothing is hidden from him. And, and when you kind of have that baseline understanding, it, it doesn't usually prove that difficult to, to confess your sins to God. I mean, after all, he, he, he already knows, so, so you might as well say sorry, right? For, for, for example, and in the spirit of confession, uh, my sophomore year of high school, I, I got caught with drugs in my locker at school. Uh, and, and afterwards, it didn't prove that difficult to apologize to my parents that, that I was caught quite literally with, with my hand in the cookie jar. My, my parents already knew, right? I mean, the drugs were literally sitting on the table in front of me by the time they got to the school. But my sins were laid bare for, for all to see. I, I might as well come clean. And, and the same is true with God. He, he already knows, we, we, we might as well lead with honesty. And in fact, it takes a special kind of self-deception to think that you are hiding something from the almighty, omniscient, omnipresent God. And, and even better, when we confess to God, we won't find rejection or rebuke or guilt at his feet. Those things are in fact never from God. Rather, we will find what we deserve the least, forgiveness. And, and if you're sitting here today thinking, yeah, Shay, but... But you don't know what I've done. One, I I will make sure that you you hear this. You're not alone. There is always a large, dare I say it, a majority of people who think just that. And two, you're you're, you're right. I I don't know what you've done. But but guess what? God does. And, And in fact, he made this promise knowing exactly what you've done. What you're currently doing. What what you've yet to do. See, God can't deny who he is. God does not change. So because God is faithful, that doesn't change, out of an overflow of his grace and his mercy and his love, also things that do not change about him, he will forgive those who sincerely seek him and lay those sins at his feet. Not not, not only does he want to do that, he can't not do that because it is literally who he is. 
So, so that's pretty great, right? Let, let me put it very, very simply. That the one who knows you best loves you the most. <laughs> so despite all your flaws, despite all your sin, despite all your shortcomings and being fully aware of all of that, and, and not just the obvious stuff that everybody knows about, but even that stuff that you've, you've never dared utter to another person, even those moments when those thoughts enter into your head and almost immediately you're like, oh my God, Gosh, where did that come from? I am so glad that there is not a microphone inside my head right now. Despite all of that, he, he not only tolerates you, but come on, I try to remind us of this often. He, he actually likes you. He's crazy about you. He, he loves you. It's kind of why he sent his one and his only son to, to die for you. And, and to return to a verse that we touch on quite often around here, because when you think about the implications of these words, they become some of the sweetest words you will ever hear. God showed his great love for us. He, he, he modeled it. He demonstrated to us by sending Christ, his one and only son, to die for us while we were still sinners. Catch that? While we were still sinners. So, so not once we, we got our acts together, but in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our sin, he sent his son for, for you. He would have sent Jesus if it was just you. It's how crazy he is about you. It's how desperately he longs for a relationship with you. So, so he already knows it's, it's all been laid bare. He still loves you. He still likes you so much so that he sent his one and his only son to die for you. So with all of that as the backdrop, we are invited into confession. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I'm still not insinuating that confessing to him is easy, but, but maybe it's not as complicated as, as we've dreamt it up in our minds. Now, I told you there was another verse coming, and this one tends to be the harder of the two for most people, myself very much included. This one from a letter titled James, who actually happens to be the earthly brother of Jesus. There he writes, confess your sins to each other and, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So, so while you maybe could get your head around the idea of confessing to God, it's like, wait, confessing to other people? That's... That's a bit of a different story, right? Here's where I believe that the biggest tension lies. We deceive ourselves into believing, and this is especially true of, of those of you who are new around here. We deceive ourselves into believing that the church, that is the gathering of, of followers of Jesus, into believing that the church is a fellowship of saints, as in a group of people who have gotten it completely together, who no longer screw up, who no longer make mistakes, and that could not be further from the truth. We, we are rather a fellowship of sinners, that felt weird making that slide. I'll acknowledge that. We are here at Grumlaw, a group of people who are well aware of the following. One, we're well aware of, of our sin problem. We know, <laughs> I know there's something wrong with me. We know there is evil inside of us. We know, in fact, that we routinely make decisions that are not only not best for the people around us, but they're not even the best decisions for ourselves. We routinely undermine our futures. We cannot get out of our own way. And, and the reality is, is they're not mistakes. Mistake is like when you accidentally cut your finger open and up a box. This is sin. It is conscious rejection of what we know is best and instead we choose our way. We go for that instant gratification. But we're also a group of people who are well aware of our inability to get it together on our own. That is, we've all tried at some point picking ourselves up by our bootstraps. 
We've tried self-discipline. We've tried willpower. We've tried self-control. And while that may have helped with some stuff, while that may have helped for a season, there's just some sin that, that, that seems hopeless. But there are bad habits that just can't seem to be broken no matter how hard we try. But, but most importantly, we're, we're well aware of, of our need for a savior. <laughs> that is simply, we need some help. And fortunately for us, God gave us that help in the form of his one and his only son. As we often say, until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see a need for a savior. And if you're sitting here today and, and you've been reluctant to lean into this conversation, you've been doing your best to kind of keep Jesus at an arm's length, today is the day to begin being honest with yourself because you happen to find yourself today amongst a rare group of people who are well aware of their sin problem. But, but we're equally aware of the redemption to be found in Jesus. You aren't alone in your sin. So it's time to stop hiding. It's, it's time to, to stop deceiving yourself. It's time to break the power of sin and all those downstream effects, things like guilt, embarrassment, and shame from from controlling your life. As Paul writes in his early letter to the Christian church in Ephesus, he says, take no part, none, in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, he says, expose them. Bring what was once growing, what was once festering, what was once taking root in the dark and and pull it into the light. And and when you think about this, again, even if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, this isn't just a Christian concept. This isn't rather just, just a human reality. When sin, maybe from a worldly standpoint, you call it bad habits, are exposed, are confessed, are brought out of hiding, we see that power begin to break. Note how Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts this. He says, in confession, the breakthrough to community takes place. Sin, think about this, demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. That the more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. Church, it's entirely possible that to have what on the outside appears to be healthy Christian community, but in reality, we've just created what Bonhoeffer also refers to as the pious fellowship. We can worship and, and pray and have great Sunday services, have an incredible children's ministry, loads of spiritual conversations, tons of Bible studies, but still be extremely unhealthy from a spiritual perspective. But what God is doing right now amongst this faith community, amongst Grumlaw, isn't normal. Do y'all realize how rare it is right now for a church to actually be growing numerically? How rare it is for 37 people to be baptized on a single Sunday? To help put that in perspective, the average American church is baptizing right now less than one person a year. My point is simple. This isn't normal. And when people call other pastors, other churches, and they're asking advice, that they're trying to figure out, hey, what is like the secret sauce over there at Grumlaw? You know what I tell them? Seriously, what I genuinely feel has been the key to this faith community, the authenticity that you can smell from a mile away, I absolutely believe it's, it's this. 
confession, a radical honesty about one's sins and struggles. Come on, when you think about it, without it, we're a bunch of frauds. We're a bunch of spiritual posers. We deceive ourselves as well as every new person that comes walking through our doors. It it was about two years ago that, that I really started having this conviction of just like, man, I think we're supposed to be a faith community that, that is, yes, obviously rooted in his word, obviously uh, chasing after Jesus, becoming more like him, but, but in that being a group of people who are actually honest with one another. And, and it came at a time where if I'm just being brutally honest, um, I couldn't stand going to the connect group that I led. I just didn't like it because we'd get together, we'd read some book, we'd talk about it, and then we'd go on with our lives. I'm like, what is this for? Who is this for? I think what I need, what all of you need, are are people who are actually opening up to what's actually going on in our lives. We don't need, this like in isolation will sound terrible, but we don't need any more Bible studies. We need authenticity. We we need what was growing in the dark, brought into the light where it will meet its inevitable death. And, And so we made a shift in connect groups and the new charge that we went forward with, it's like, okay, don't read books anymore. Get together and actually share about what's really going on in your lives. Hold each other accountable to the steps of obedience that the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart. That's the premise for connect groups. And and, and I'm proud to tell you that today, the connect group that I lead, I love because we actually know what's going on in one another's lives. By the way, uh, we know that every group hasn't necessarily jumped on board with this. That for some of you, you're like, that's kind of exactly what what we do. We get together, we read a book, we kind of talk about it, and just got to go on with our weeks. Um, we can't control what happens in every group. You guys are individuals, you have free will, it's up to you. And and in that way, I would say, you have an opportunity to set the tone this week at your group. You have the ability to look at the rest of your group and say, you guys, uh, what Shay was saying, what the Holy Spirit was prompting really resonated. Here's what's going on in my life. And that's usually all it takes. The rest of the group will follow suit. Right before... John encourages us to to confess to God. He he shares these words. He says, so we are lying. Pretty strong words. If we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, we're not practicing the truth. But, But if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light means, yes, obviously, living in an earnest pursuit of holiness. Something that in the Christian church uh, that we refer to as, as sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus. But also it means living in transparency with others. And come on, again, even at a very, very practical, non-spiritual level, you know this is true. Because you or I, we've never heard the story where someone says, you know, I... I realized I had an addiction to pornography, but, but then one day I just woke up and I said, no more. And just like that, I stopped looking at that stuff. Uh, me and my buddies in college, we used to say this phrase to each other when we knew when the other person, like, were full of it. We used to look at each other and say, knack. And, and, and it was a, a phrase that meant not a chance. We would say that to it, knack. So right now I would say knack to that. No, rather, every one of those stories that follows a familiar thread it's like, I realized pornography was undermining my marriage. I realized it was undermining my relationships, undermining my life, and I finally told someone. And then healing began to take place. It's like, man, my drinking had gotten so out of control. So pulled myself up on my bootstraps, and I just figured it out. Again, you could say it with me this time. Knack. 
No, you told someone. You confessed. You sought accountability because you had already figured out, and probably the hard way, that you couldn't get it together on your own. You need this community. You need people to help you see what you can't see, what you won't see. As John makes very, very clear right here, true, biblical, Jesus-following confession means not only dealing with our sin before God, but also in the light of the fellowship of sinners. This is one of the many reasons why when people try to reason with me that you don't need to be a part of a church to be a Christian, I will politely but staunchly disagree with them. Sure, you can believe in Jesus in isolation apart from community, but you can't follow him in isolation. And again, very practically speaking, does, does your sin just impact you? Is, is it truly just a, a private matter? Of course not. For instance, again, and I'm going to return to this example, and by the way, the reason that I keep using pornography as an example is because data would tell us that the majority of the men watching right now are wrestling with this at some level. If I, for instance, view pornography in in the privacy of my home, is that just harming me? No. It's, It's undermining my marriage. It's undermining intimacy with my wife. It devalues the image-bearing status of literally every woman that I come in contact with, including my own daughters. Sin hurts you, the people around you, as well as your relationship with God. It breeds shame. It breeds embarrassment, which drives you further into isolation, which drives you further into darkness. So again, should it be any surprise then that the practice of Jesus that breaks the power of sin in our lives also involves others? Can you really expect to experience true repentance, true forgiveness, without acknowledging the effect that your sin has had on other people? Let let me give us a a very, very practical example. Uh, Early on in my marriage, and nobody knows this except my wife. This is the first time that I have ever told anyone about this except for my wife. Uh, So now everybody's going to know. I viewed pornography when my wife was out of town visiting her family. It's happened exactly one time in our marriage, and and this was the instant. Uh, And almost immediately afterward, not almost immediately afterwards, immediately afterwards, it ate away at me. I mean, just the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment, it just came pouring in. And for a period of time, I told myself, okay, it's all good because I confessed it to God right away afterwards. I I acknowledged it was sin to God. I didn't try to hide behind it. It's like, it's okay. So God, because me and you, I confessed it to you. We're all good. I I don't need to tell Andrea. (laughs) But you want to know what? My conscience still ate me alive, even though I told God, even though I confessed to God, to the point that a couple weeks later, I finally told my wife. And when I walked into that conversation, I sat her down and I said, you know what, Andrea? This is just kind of like an FYI. Here's what I did. But I said, sorry to God, so it's no big deal. Don't you dare get mad at me right now. How how do you suppose that would have gone? No, true repentance, true forgiveness, true healing occurs when we not only confess to God, but to the people around us. When we come clean, acknowledging the damage that it has caused. That is living in the light. That is when we will experience a cleansing from our sin. So, so for those of you who are new around here, just beginning this walk with Jesus, I, I know that this is today a little bit of a heavier topic, but, but can you also feel the freedom that comes along with this? It's so good. For every person who, who's watching right now, here's, here's where it begins. 
Yet you confess that I am a sinner in desperate need of a savior. Again, as I said earlier, it isn't until you see yourself as a sinner that you will see a need for a savior. And here's what is so incredible. The God of the universe would make that standard by which we get that right standing back with him. The right standing that we fractured, that we screwed up when we sinned, when we rebelled, when we chose our way over his. He would make that standard almost incomprehensibly simple. And I say it that way almost every time because it's just the truth. Over and over again in scripture, in the New Testament, we are reminded that we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Acknowledging, yes, that I am a sinner in desperate need of a savior, but I also believe that the God of the universe got off of his throne in heaven for me. And by placing your faith in Jesus just like that, you got that right standing back. And so literally today (laughs) could be the day of your salvation where you right now bow your head and just say, Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am a sinner and I recognize that I have no ability to get it together on my own. So God, I am seeking your forgiveness. I believe that you sent your one and your only son down to this earth for me. I believe that that he paid the penalty for my sin problem. That, that, That he died the death that It was owed to me, but I also believe that three days later he rose from the grave and thus conquered death, conquered my sin problem. From this day forward, I choose to live for you, Jesus. I put my trust in you, Jesus. Amen. And we're told that just like that, you're back. Just like that, you're redeemed, you're restored. We also confess your need for daily direction from the Holy Spirit. See, one of the things that churches often do a really miserable job with is that, and I don't think it's intentional, we deceive people into believing that upon putting your trust in Jesus, from that point on, everything's all roses, it's all rainbows, it's all just up and to the right. When the reality is, is you will still be tempted. You will still screw up. Willpower is only going to take you so far. But the really good news is, is that you're not, you're not expected to navigate this life alone. You need the Holy Spirit. That, that we are called to do everything that we can, but, but we have the Holy Spirit quite literally, God in spirit dwelling inside of us to fight those battles that he knows we won't win. So we confess that, that, that need for daily direction from the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, we confess to, to one another. Very practically speaking, who have you wronged? Who do you need to, to apologize to? Church, like, I, I hate, there's a part of me that hates to admit this, but I routinely, routinely confess and apologize to my wife and my kids. In fact, it was literally just this last Tuesday. It was a huge celebratory day for our family. Uh, we just legally adopted our fourth child, and uh, we're at home. It was like 70-some degrees outside. It's like, what in the world's happening? And we're outside, and all of a sudden, like, kind of chaos breaks loose. B is trying to get into a power wheel with, with my other son, Oakley, and Oakley doesn't want her in there, so he just takes off and like basically runs her over. And so I go running over to stop the car. I'm frustrated with Oakley. And in that moment, my daughter asked me something, a very innocuous question, and I just snap. And right away, I'm like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? But because pride and ego come sweeping in, I, I walk to another place in the yard. I'm like, I'm not apologizing. And 30 seconds later, Holy Spirit's like, you, you need to go apologize. 
So I sucked up my ego pride for at least a moment, went over to my daughter, got on my knees, looked at her, and I said, Daddy is so sorry. There's no reason I should have talked to you that way. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that I messed that up right now. Will you forgive me? Unfortunately, those closest to us often get the ugliest versions of ourselves. But but faith community, I want to challenge us right now. Don't stop there. Because oftentimes the message on confession can be reduced to just like you need to apologize more. And the reality is, is for most of the people watching right now, that there's something bigger. That honestly, at the beginning of the talk, you almost immediately knew. I said the word confession and you were like, not that. Not telling somebody that. And and I want to invite you into the freedom that comes on the other side of that. What, What do you need to confess this week and to who? What desperately needs to be pulled out of the darkness and into the light? What unconfessed sin, what, what, what festering addiction, and who in this faith community needs to be told? Might it be me, a campus pastor, somebody on our staff? Might it be uh, the leader of your connect group, somebody else in your connect group, maybe a person that you're serving alongside, maybe a, a professional counselor? C- confessing sin is wise, but, but then often we need guidance and this is a part that could have taken a whole nother week, and I would touch on it for all of 12 seconds. And, and that guidance, it comes through our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and so right now, we're, we're going to play just some kind of ambient noise, some ambient music, and we want to give you that opportunity that wherever you're watching from right now, maybe you're listening to your car, you pull your car over, and for a sense of accountability, you literally write down right now, and not in coded form, not an abbreviation, so that if somebody finds you, you're like, oh, no, 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 like actually write out what it is that you need to confess this week and then write down the names of the people whom you will confess to. Reminding yourself that that, that there is so much more for you on the other side of that. That the last thing that your heavenly father wants for you is, is for you to continue to live in shame and embarrassment. That there is freedom. There is freedom in the light. So we invite you to take this time to do that right now.